Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find your other favorite podcasts. And don't forget to please leave us a five-star review. Let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How good was it to have football on all weekend? It's great, and it's especially great when you're winning all your fantasy leagues. Look, I want to commend you because you jumped on this show. I can sense you got a little attitude in your voice. But I promise you, what we'll do is we'll try to keep fantasy football out of this show as much as possible so we can move forward and have a productive show. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to retire from the, the world of fantasy football after this weekend. But, but anyway, should. anyway, let's, let's get into the, into the NFL first weekend, including the Thursday night game as well. Um, that was the Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was uh, one of the only games to have fans in the stands. And so, JT, some of the discussion from the game centered around what occurred actually prior to the game. The Houston Texans elected to stay in the locker room during the national anthem. And only one Kansas City player, I believe, took a knee. Uh, Once the Texans took the field, they locked arms with the Kansas City chief players which prompted the crowd to start booing in addition to when the the Texans came out from the tunnel. So JT, just what were your initial thoughts to the Kansas city fans booing uh, prior to the game? Well, this is something that we already knew, but I just want to know, is everyone ready to admit that the outrage over the protests and Kaepernick was never about the flag or about the Anthem because This just put that whole theory to bed on national television. And just look at what they did. Like you said, Texans, they they stayed in the locker room completely. And one person kneeled. That was it. And throughout both anthems being played, only one person kneeled. And then both teams stood in silence, in solidarity, arms locked at midfield for peace. So... They, they essentially gave the NFL fans the protest they wanted. And to me, it couldn't have been more peaceful or respectful if we're going by the guidelines of those people who don't like the way that people have been protesting in the past. This is exactly what you asked for, and you still hated it. To me, I think this is a bad look for NFL fans, especially the, quote, keep politics out of sports crowd. Because to me, I didn't think there was really a political statement with what they did, which is why I think you saw some people like a J.J. Watt so surprised at why people were booing because we've been, you know, told that, you know, it's not that we hate the message that they're protesting for. It's the method in which they're doing it. So guess what? Guys like J.J. Watt are like, all right, we're going to be respectful. We're going to be peaceful. We're not going to kneel. We're not going to do all the things you said were wrong. And it's, and they found out that it still wasn't good enough. So yeah, there's, NFL is going to have to really, really get ahead of this, in my opinion, because 
if you have every, all the players on board doing something that's respectful and the fans can't get, can't, you know, accept that, then it's just going to be one of those things where it's going to be an ongoing problem. So initially I didn't catch the, the pregame stuff uh, live started to hear about it. So I was confused as to why they were booing initially, were they booing because the Texans, the Texans stayed in the locker room during the national anthem were they booing because the team, the opposing team, the Texans, entering the field as an opponent? Because typically, JT, you know, when the visiting team runs on the field, what do fans do? They boo the visiting team. Um, or I wasn't sure if they were booing because the teams were linking arms in the middle of the field as two opponents are getting, you know, together. So – to be fair to fans, if they're booing an opponent as they come out of the tunnel, in normal circumstances, right, JT, you can see why they're booing, right? I guess. I'm saying under normal circumstances, when a visiting team comes yeah, out of the I, I get, room, I get that point, booing, but to me, right? I get what you're saying, but to me, it was clear as day, you know, uh, front, and, front and center close up, guys are locking arms at midfield right. and there's booing. And, and that's where I'm getting to because – there, if you go back to what Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas, what he said was, he did say some fans started booing as Chiefs flashed social justice messages on the board, and the boos continued as teams linked arms on the field. And that goes to what you're saying there. It wasn't about the opposing team running on the field, because they're the opposing oh, team, that. right? <laughs> Right. Well, no, but that confirmed it when they linked when they linked arms and by them booing at that point showed who they truly are, meaning the fans. And also, too. And then um, I just want to add this to your point. You made a great point. And another reason why I say this is a bad look, not just for NFL fans, but the Chiefs fans in general. How selfish do you look in this moment? Because you got to think about there's certain things that are going on. You just take a look at everything that's happened in America just this year alone. And, you know, what's been going on in the country and how close we were as a country to not to also not having football at all this year. And then on top of that, you're one of the only few franchises that is allowed to have fans and enjoy a live NFL game. What is there to be upset about in that moment? Why not just be happy? Like you should be elated that you're actually live at an NFL game because there are 90% of the team of fans of those teams are not going to be able to experience that this year. And you are one of the lucky few and you still were not happy to be there. Right. Yeah. And, and when they were still booing, when the teams were linking arms at that point, it's not defensible. There's, there's no excuse for it in terms of why they were booing. Um, now, granted, not, I would, I would probably guess that not all of the fans there were booing, but it's still about the fans that were booing, right? Like that, that's the problem. And there, you have a group of athletes of different races coming together during a moment of silence dedicated to the ongoing fight for equality in our country. And people are booing. Like it, it's unbelievable that you're able, even in an empty stadium like that, to hear enough boos in that, moment of silence like that special moment not only for the players but the country and on top of that one person booing in my opinion is one too many and you bring up a great point had nothing 
their demonstration or how, whatever you want to call it had nothing to do with the flag in this instance, right? And fans claimed prior to this that they stopped watching because taking a knee was disrespectful. But it's like you said, what was disrespectful and what was done Thursday night that led to the boos? Like, I, you and I, I we Absolutely. don't know. Well, like, bottom line is they gave you what you asked for and what you told them was we don't want anything to do with the fight for equality. So that's what I took from it. Right. And, and that was my final point is I think it goes to show that those fans that booed in the stadium that night, one, I don't think you'll ever be able to change their opinion, but two, they basically told on themselves by the way they acted on who they truly are. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see how this develops because we talked about this on the last show about how protests and how fans were going to receive it this year. So it's off to a rocky start. But let's switch gears and let's go to basketball where my favorite team in your pick to go to the finals made it to the Eastern Conference finals. And that's the Miami Heat. They'll be squaring off against the Boston Celtics. Who you got and in how many games? You know who I got because I picked them at the beginning of the playoffs. You did. I'll I've give got you, I'll give you props. I've got the Heat. And I've got them in six. I think the Celtics are coming off a, I think, a brutal series, a more difficult series than what it should have been. And I think it was somewhat mentally draining at times. And I think Jimmy Butler is going to be the difference right now um, in, in this series. Toronto didn't shoot great at times in certain games, but they Miami didn't shoot great most of the time, right? But Miami has the shooters, right? We do Duncan Robinson, Hero, among some other shooters. Um, and hey, I'm doubling down on my pick at the beginning of the playoffs. And Spo, I think Eric Spolstra could be a big difference. Here. He should be the coach of the year, in my opinion, <laughs> because. Not to take anything away from Brad Stevens, but they were definitely more talented than Toronto. And Nick Nurse, who's a very good coach as well, kind of showed him, hey, playoffs are a different beast. Even though I may not be have as good of a, a team as uh, the Celtics talent-wise, we can force you to go the distance. And so I'm going to take the Heat because the Heat still got UD. <laughs> uh, I, I gotta agree with you too I, I'm picking the Heat in six and it's for all the reasons you said and for one more I think the Heat like you said they got shooters love Coach Bo love what he's doing with the team um, I also think that the Heat have something that the Celtics don't and the Celtics have to show me this before I'll ever pick them to win an Eastern Conference final and that's dogs they don't have any of those we do and Jimmy Butler is the alpha dog so I think he can just bully them and will us to take over this series. To be honest with you, I'll be shocked if it goes sooner than six. I just think that Brad Stevens, like you said, Nick Nurse showed in the playoffs is a different animal. And I think that when they lose this series, you'll start to put Brad Stevens in Andy Reid territory, whereas, you know, he's a great X's and O's guy, regular season. But when it comes time for the playoffs, you know, what are you doing to step up your game? So I got the heat. So... We're going to stay in basketball. And one of the weirdest situations that happened over the past week was Billy Donovan and the OKC Thunder parting ways. So Billy Donovan decided to part ways and not talk to OKC about an extension. Um, he's been there since 2015. So 
It was reported that he turned down a two-year guaranteed deal from the Thunder prior to the start of the restart of the uh, the season this earlier this summer. So, Donato, do you agree with his decision to reject a two-year deal prior to the restart? You know, at first I thought he was wrong uh, for parting ways and not taking that guaranteed uh, contract, that guaranteed money, basically, um, because while – he is taking a risk of maybe another team not signing him. I've actually kind of turned and I agree with his move not to resign with Oklahoma City because he's been there since 2015. He was one game away in 2016 from knocking off a 73 win Golden State team and playing in the finals. We know what happened during that series. We do. Uh, and then he had to somewhat work with the rebuild after PG. 13 Paul George and Russ were traded yet he got them to the playoffs this year and they were expected they were predicted they were supposed to be a lottery team <laughs> they were supposed to be one of the worst teams if not the worst team along with the Cleveland Cavaliers from all of the NBA experts so his value and, and I say all that because his value I think is as high as it will will ever get he took a team that was supposed to do nothing. 100%. And got them to the playoffs, almost beat the Houston Rockets, all right? And the talent in Oklahoma City, it's not going to improve, in my opinion, JT, because they don't have that – because they made the playoffs, they don't have that high first-round pick, and Chris Paul is getting older. And so I don't know if he can do a better job than what he did this past year, and he probably has a better chance – at younger talent somewhere else, and he will be given more time somewhere else. Because think about it, it's only a two-year contract that they were willing to give him. Yeah, they're basically going to extend him long enough to see if is Ex this lightning in a bottle exactly. or are you who we thought you were the rest of the time. Yep, no, exactly. I agree with you. He, To me, I would have been disappointed if he would have even thought about signing this extension because to on top of everything you said, you're 100% correct, his value is never going to be as high as it is now. And he can really actually go out and get a job that one is more enjoyable. Another job where players actually want to come to that team, because to be honest, nobody really wants to be an OKC. And that's always their problem. They're really getting talented players through the draft or somebody shipping off young talent to get a max player somewhere else. So you're always going to be in that at best, maybe a really good bridesmaid, but you're never going to, I don't think OKC is one of those like cities where you're going to win a championship and to me it's if I were him this is a perfect time to stick it to not only OKC but you know other media people because I feel like ever since Billy Donovan's been there he's been like the scapegoat to why they haven't been successful you know nobody wants to talk about the players and what they've done nobody blamed Paul George nobody blamed Russell Westbrook it was more of if if they had a coach that a they respected or who was just a little bit better they might be more successful. And I feel like what Billy Donovan did this year shows that he's, he's a, he's a top, at least half of the league type of coach. So his stock's going to be not going to be as high as it is now. Go get a job you like somewhere else. Well, I agree with, I think we're on the same page and we agree with what we're saying, but one thing I got to disagree with there at the end that I take a little exception to, and there's a reason behind it too, but it's not just Billy Donovan. Like, Scotty Brooks always took that heat too, right? Oh, for sure. Like if KD had a Phil Jackson and Russ and KD yeah, and Harden exactly. had a Phil Jackson, right? So uh, that's not all just 
I, I don't think that's anything new that Billy Donovan's taking heat for. But, but I think just, I do think shows it's a trap yeah, but, job. Uh, that, that, but, that's a trap job. But but anyone that has had that talent always is going to take that heat, right? Like when LeBron was in Cleveland, it was always, oh, if LeBron had someone else besides Mike Brown. And it's like anytime you don't win, the coach you're, takes that heat, though. But you're talking about you're ta- basically talking about KD, Westbrook and um, and Paul George. We all know what Paul George is about. We've seen it in the playoffs. That, to me, that's not a coaching fault because Doc Rivers can't even get him out of the dark place. Russell Westbrook, we saw him have a full-on meltdown in the game last night against the Lakers. Like, he is who he is. Um, KD, only thing that's really saving him is he teamed up with Golden State, and he was just in the ultimate situation as a, as probably the most talented player on the floor. But what is what have those guys done when they've had to be the only guy? Nothing. Well, like, I think I, I think Donovan has taken less heat than Scotty Brooks did, though. For sure, All right. for sure. And but he's let's taking not, heat as well. And let's not forget, it's a little personal to me because of what Billy Donovan did to my Orlando Magic. Oh. Don't forget, he might come back. Be careful what you ask for. All right, so moving to college football, uh, Nick Saban was on the record as saying he thinks that col- the college football playoffs should still occur even if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 don't have a season. Uh, Don, do you agree with him if that two of the Power Five conferences aren't playing that there should still be a college football playoff? Uh, kind of the Billy Donovan thing. At first, I didn't agree with Nick Saban, but I've come around because but then you realize Pitt could have a chance to win a national championship. So you're <laughs> like, yeah, this is our year. Pitt in Miami. Well, um, no, not FSU, the, though. The thing is, it, it's that saying, right, that you can only play who is on your schedule. So I think we can be empathetic on why the Pac-12 and Big Ten have for now canceled fall football um, and but we we can debate if it was premature um, that they aren't playing that's something we could debate but you can't punish the other teams and players who are out there playing and keeping then a football playoff from them because the Pac-12 and Big Ten are not in it um, and so This is what I would say. This is what my suggestion would be. Since there's not 13 games this year, most are playing 11 or 12, and most of them are in in conference, let's have a 16-team playoff, and let's include, instead of four, let's include 16 teams. Let's include more teams, and let's include more group of five teams because this is the year to do it, right? Everything's different. All the other professional or all the professional leagues are trying different things. Hey, college football, no Big Ten, no Pac-12. Hey, let's try something different. Let's have more group of five teams in it and give them their shot to show that they belong year in, year out with the Power Five. And like I said, it's a new thing. It's a new area no one's kind of ventured through. So let's try something new with the system. In the last point of why it should be 16 teams, JT, and you can tell me if you disagree, because I think the bowl games without the Big Ten, without the Pac-12, without some of the other conferences that normally go to bowl games, they're going to be watered down. You know, the Orange Bowl, the especially those mid-tier bowls like the Peach Bowl, you know, those aren't are not going to be as appealing as in the past, right? You're not gonna have the Ohio States or the Michigan or Michigan States playing in like the Citrus Citrus Bowl or the Capital One Bowl. So I think the bowls are gonna be watered down a bit. 
And so let's do a 16-team playoff and see how it goes. Yeah, I could get with you on that. But, you know, to answer the question, yeah, I think they should still have a, a national championship and a college football playoff this season. I mean, the guys that are playing, if teams are out there playing, there should be, you know, something at the end of the tunnel to play for. So, I mean, not to mention the Big Ten. I mean, they could be back by the beginning of October. So, if the Pac-12 is going to be the only Power Five conference that's sitting out, so be it. I mean, like you said, it's good to see maybe a bigger playoff so that some of those bowl games don't become even more watered down. But also, it's great to see if some of like the non-traditional power five teams up their game now that an entire conference is missing and now you have a, maybe a better shot than you ever would to get to a national championship. If anything you saw yesterday, because I think some of those, those big power five conferences are missing. Some of those smaller teams are rolling into these, you know, power five conference games and they're giving it their all. How many big 12 teams went down to guys that people in Vegas are pulling their hair out about right now. So well, it helps too that there's not a hundred thousand streaming yeah, fans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little intimidating. Yeah, no that's intimidating, right? We talked to we talked to our NFL expert Kendall uh, Calhoun, and he was talking about going into the big house and how you know how many people there were there. Yeah, but absolutely, I think that there should still be a championship in the college football playoff without you know one or two Power Five conferences missing. Also, I, I mean, I of course, it's it's good for us. I mean, that means Miami has a better shot at winning the title. Hey, we we got to take care of the ACC business first, and that includes Clemson, and that's that's t- quite a tough challenge. So, before you move on, I'm, I'm I'm assuming you watched the Wake Forest game last night. How many guys did Clemson actually get on the field last night? Because I heard it was sixty. 60 guys? Because they had a third-string quarterback out there that I didn't even know was on the team. Yeah, I mean, Throwing they, bombs. you know, their they're third string's better than most starters in the country. So Hey, we got Derek King, third favorite odds to win the Heisman. I I'll like take it. take that to the bank. I like it. So let's go to what everyone wants to talk about, the NFL opening weekend, JT. Let's get into some of the specific games and performances, you know, if if, if we may. The first thing we got to talk about what you and I think is the biggest story or stories from Sunday's games were mainly the two 1 p.m. games where the Washington football team down, what, 17-0 comes back to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, and then the Chicago Bears pulling a similar feat and beating the Detroit Lions. Yes, Mitch Trubisky. So, JT, in those two games – what was just your reaction or initial thoughts from those two comebacks? Well, let me just go to the Bears game first. Uh, my initial reaction was just that Trubisky just owns the Lions. And I, like, if you go look at the, like, the last three or four games he's played, he literally has the same stats, like 250 passing and three, three touchdowns. Like that's what he does against the Lions. Um, but I do think that, he'll be benched at some point this year because he it was clear he was too nervous in that game. He was looking over his shoulder. He missed so many 10-yard or shorter passes that, like, you could make. Like, right now, you could go out there and just make those passes. You think yeah. I could make them? Really? You're going to give me that That's how bad he played. Okay. But he turned into Tim Tebow in the fourth quarter, three touchdowns. So, uh, <laughs> Nick Foles, you're on the clock. And then for the Washington game, we talked about this before the game started today, and I was like, you know what? If 
Philly's banged up, if Lane Johnson sits out, I think the Washington defense is going to be a problem. And they were. Chase Young, all those first-round picks up front, they got after Carson Wentz. And to me, I think this – it just looked like they were just tired of Carson Wentz today. Like, he just – you're supposed to go in there and carry that team and beat Washington. Like, you're supposed to dominate them. And we let them come back, and you you let us down. So – Two games that I did not expect to go that way and two quarterbacks that I think are going to be in interesting, tough, difficult situations this season. Yeah, those are two games that I didn't think would end up that way, especially once Detroit and Philadelphia got those leads. I'm going to start with that last game you just mentioned, Washington and Philly. Can we, and it starts with me, can we give Ron Rivera some credit, JT? For sure, it's a different team. I it's mean, a different team. first game out of the gates, they get behind 17-0. There's no quit in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always criticized him when he was at Carolina. I thought early on they lost a lot of games at the end, uh, early in his tenure there, and I thought a lot of it was on him. Um, but he's starting just that – it seems like that culture, that attitude, he seems to be turning it around in Washington. So I want to give him credit, especially on this day – what what he did i agree with um, you and i almost want to add one more thing to that i feel like also what he's been going through like prior to the season with the cancer abs- thing i absolutely. think the team really rallied around that and you can tell they want to play for him absolutely um and you know we hope everything turns out well for him absolutely. there but he hasn't lost the focus of football which is unbelievable that he's able to juggle juggle those two things mm-hmm. and going to that detroit chicago game one thing that I thought was interesting, and I was, I was watching it in the third quarter when they got that first scoring drive then, Chicago did. And you know what I, what I thought of, JT, was if this was a regular opening season game with a sold-out uh, Ford Field, and granted, it is Detroit Lions, so no offense to their fans, but it possibly could have happened even if it was sold out. But – I think having no fans today helped Mitch Trubisky because I think if that place was sold out and they got up, what, 23 to six, I believe. They would have ate him up with every mistake he made. It would have been over. Every every snap, every penalty, every incomplete pass with the crowd in his ear. It would have, exactly. It would have been building to the point where I think he would have fell apart and even Nick Foles would not have been able to save them at this at that point. But without fans, I think he just – it was like practice. Oh, I've done this in practice where I can't make a completion. Well, if, he, well, if this was like practice for Mitch Trubisky, I don't want to see Nick Foles because that means he couldn't beat him out. <laughs> so I, I think the, the no fans helped Mitch out so much, and I think that goes – you know, that's under underestimated there. Game ball um, goes to DeAndre Swift for dropping an easy walk-in <laughs> touchdown that would have won the game. Hey, he's a rookie. He'll, he'll have yeah, better, you he'll have you better days. You can't drop those. I know. You can't I drop know. them. That, that's going to separate you from on Johnson, whatever 300 other running backs they bring in. in looking Detroit. like Sony Michelle right now. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on to – I want to get your opinion, JT – on the performance or performances that impressed you the most, or even if there was one that disappointed you? Um, I would say a game that we didn't talk about was the Jags beating the Colts. Cause I feel like that was like one of the lockets of the week for everybody to say like, all right, 
uh, Indy's going to go in there and just destroy him, and then, you know, Jazz are going to play catch-up. When that tell happens, you. when that happens, usually the opposite happens. The opposite happens. I will tell you what, some things that surprised me from that game, one, well, not really surprised me, but I think Gardner Minshew is really backing up what he said, that if the Jags go draft the quarterback a year from now, they're going to regret it. I think they have one already. He, he looks like a damn good one. That was not an easy game for him to go in there and play. There's so many different things that have this pressure on him right now. And he basically won that game for, for, for the Jags. And you said this, and I'm going to give you credit, Phillip Rivers is done. And it just looks like it. He looks done. He doesn't look like that Rivers in the clutch. He's playing on the East Coast now, so we get to see it at 1 o'clock while everyone's, you know, fresh and ready to look at everything. And T.Y. Hilton had two big drops in that game that if he would have caught those, they probably would win. The, they probably would have won the game. So the Colts as a whole just let me down today. Um, other strong performances, I think uh, Russell Wilson just basically guaranteed that he's the favorite for the MVP all year. Well, I think he had like four incompletions on the day. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. And uh, yeah, he did good. Um, I like Jamal Adams, the way he was flying all over the field today, his first game with the Seahawks. I think having him on that team is what Russell needs to kind of push that team over the hump. They just look like a different team. And they they went there and destroyed Atlanta today. Those are probably like the biggest, you know, or uh, performance surprises to me that would happen today. Can you say that again? You're giving me credit for the Phillip Rivers. Can you say that again? I, I like the way that. Yeah, sounded. he said Phillip Rivers is old and he sucks. Yeah, I give you credit. <laughs> I didn't say it that way. Um, one guy we talked about earlier before we got on the air, JT, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes. That impressed me. Yeah, um, you know, it did but. See, you, I, you, know, you just you can't know, give him credit, I, but this you, is the reason why it was impressive. About, you know how I feel about Zimmer just as a coach. But the thing is, Minnesota has no secondary. Like, they had, they had what, two, a rookie corner and a guy neither, who's not even supposed neither, to be starting. Neither does Washington. Neither does Washington. Them. But Washington has a front seven, and you saw that. But like pass if you're on your so, back. So you're saying the Vikings don't have a good defense? I mean, that's I don't a think it's. Far-fetched. I told you the Vikings defense to me hasn't been the same since that one Thursday okay. night game so where they played saying, the Rams. See, this is the thing: you never give guys credit. You're willing to say, and you know how much no, I he love had a Russell game. Wilson. He had a great no, no, game. You just gave a shout out to Russell Wilson for the game he had. Aaron Rodgers had a very similar, if not better, game than Russ. He did. And you're, and, you're, and you're knocking holes in his game of four touchdowns. Just say he had a great game, and we'll move on. Let's just move on. Uh, see? That's, see? That's wrong. That's wrong. He's going to – you're just – I'm going to bring up fantasy. You're just mad that he's doing this when you don't have him in fantasy football. That's your fault. Bad decision that you let him go, JT. You should have kept him as a keeper. Moving on to Cincinnati. So, we're going to move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, the Las Vegas Raiders, their offense, they ended up winning 34-30. Hey, I'm going to give Gruden some, some love here. 372 yards of total offense, um, 34 points, no turnovers, no sacks allowed. Josh Jacobs had, what, three rushing touchdowns? Ran and wild. John Gruden went out on a limb and started to compare him to Walter Payton, JT. So, Ooh. I got to give – Las Vegas Raiders, I was impressed. I know it was against the Carolina Panthers, who are some people think are rebuilding, but still to come out to the East Coast, a one o'clock game, which is essentially um, 10 a.m. on the West Coast, to come out and show up like that offensively. Yeah, usually that West Coast coming to play on the East Coast is a guaranteed 
bad yeah. idea. Maybe, maybe he is turning it around there. And then the last thing I want to say real quick is with no preseason games, JT, we had some exciting opening day games. We talked about pretty much all three of them. Washington, Philly, the Colts, Jaguars that you mentioned, and Detroit, Chicago. That's all without preseason games. I, I don't think we missed preseason all that much from what I saw today. Yeah. It's pretty it's, – there are a lot of good games. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. definitely agree with that. All right. So, the last thing we want to hammer home here from the opening weekend, do you have any – best coaching decisions and then worst coaching decisions this is where our monday morning quarterback kind of comes in jt oh that's easy my <laughs> best and worst coaching decision is probably the bears leaving in mitch trubisky the entire game and it was the worst because he looked like how the hell did you guys take him ahead of mahomes and watson for about three and a half quarters then in that last half of the fourth quarter looked like the best decision they ever made because he won the game for him so is that can I do that? Can I have best and worst hey, be the yeah. same thing? Hey, it's your show. It's your show. I'm just right, I'm yeah. just co-hosting it with I don't you. know how long Mitch is gonna last, but he lasted today, so I'll give him credit. <laughs> I, I'm gonna agree. Best coaching decision, sticking with Mitch. I thought even even in that third quarter, I was like, I texted you, right? Um, I texted you and our friend Dave of Bad Medicine Podcast. So shout out to them. If you don't already subscribe and follow them, please do so. Bad uh, that's B-A-D-D, uh, Medicine Podcast. But I texted both of you and said, how is Mitch <laughs> still in this game? Um, so, hey, Nagy, good coaching decision, leaving him in, sticking with his guy. Worst coaching decision, I'm just going to go with Bill O'Brien doing Bill O'Brien things and not protecting Deshaun enough uh, in that Thursday night game. So that was my worst coaching decision. Because I really don't think there was a game that came down to a one specific bad coaching decision that cost a team um, a game. So that's why I'm just going with Bill O'Brien. So, JT, we're going to stick with the NFL. We're going to go to our love it, like it, trash it segment. Love this so segment. we'll give each other whatever topic, and you say love it, like it, trash it. You like it, too, because we can go through it really quick. So the first one, Deshaun Watson, he signed a four-year extension worth $156 million this past week, which comes out to about $39 million annually. It also includes a $27 million signing bonus. JT always likes to know about those. With the potential of $111 million guaranteed. So for the Houston Texans, JT, do you love it, like it, or trash this extension on their behalf? I love it. And I know we just talk shit about Bill O'Brien, but I mean, to me, this is probably the one good thing that he's done since he's been there other than letting Jadavion Clowney go. But I like it because I love it because you have to get this done. It's Watson. He's your franchise quarterback. But when you look at this, I know it's a shorter deal overall, but the annual and the guarantees to me, I think this is probably going to be end up being less than what Dak is going to get when it's all said and done. So if you can lock up Watson short term, see if he gets it done, still keep him under value as far as what the top guys are going to get. I mean, you got to love this deal. Yep. I love it too. $39 million annually. I mean, that's going to be a real good value. That's like low. That's going to be low. In two or three years. Next he's still, year, he's going to be low. Yeah. He's still in the middle of the contract. It's going to look really good. 
So I do love it. Um, yeah, nothing, not much more to say about that one. All right, so let's go to another contract. Your guy, you love him, except for today, because he didn't score a touchdown. So DeAndre Hopkins, he signed a two-year extension with the Cardinals worth $54.5 million with $27.5 million signing bonus and $42.75 million of that extension is guaranteed. So for DeAndre, you love it, like it, or trashing it? He did have a great game on Sunday. So outside of the touchdown, huge game. Um, I love it. And if we're looking at it on his side, from my understanding, first, yeah. he, he negotiated. I was, was going to ask you, are, negoti- are you, are you asking as DeAndre or as yeah. the Cardinals? No, no, no. This is DeAndre. Do you love it, like it, or trash it for DeAndre? And he negotiated JT his, his own contract, did not have his agent. So, yeah. I mean, did, shout out, DeAndre, shout out to you for negotiating this without, a, without an agent. Whoever <laughs> that the 3%. owner. Uh, yeah. Whoever the owner of the Arizona Cardinals is. Whoever is the GM that's doing negotiations for contract, he should be fired after this. Why? <laughs> there's, okay. no, well, there's no way you should let a guy without representation come in here and steamroll you like this. Okay, you have well, all the power. Well, that is true. But I love it because from my understanding of this contract, and you got to remember something, JT, he still had three years left on his current deal. So that's why it's a two-year extension and not a brand-new deal. He's there five more years. So for him, though, what was unbelievable, from my understanding, he had no more guaranteed money left in these three years. So if they cut him today, they owe him nothing. He could have gotten injured. They get rid of him. He he makes no more money. So with the two-year extension, they're basically locked in for five years because if they cut him today – that 47, that 42.75 million guaranteed, they're on the hook for. So it's hard for them to just say, you know what, we're done with you in a year or two years. They're basically stuck with him for the most part for a good part of that five years. So that is why I love it for him because now he's essentially guaranteed money for almost five years. And it's huge guaranteed money for a non-quarterback. Huge. For five years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. If if I'm DeAndre, for all the reasons you said, I love it. He's number one in annual average for a wide receiver as far as money he's getting. He's got all his new guaranteed money. For the Cardinals, I hate it because he's already 28. You know, he's going to start to decline. This this just felt like a baseball contract to me. Like, you're not paying for what you're really going to get the bulk out of, like, his performance over the long term of the deal. But, I mean, uh don't you think they would have been better off, JT, saying, hey, we're not going to give you an extension, but we'll do this. We'll guarantee the last three years of these. We'll, we'll guarantee the, the remaining years of your current deal. Yeah. Well, I will say this. The, the one way that I'll really love it for the Cardinals is, and he showed it today, and this is what I was worried about with him making the switch from Houston to Arizona is, are they going to give him the same amount of work that Houston gave him? Because you see how much, DeAndre, I mean, Deshaun Watson missed him on Thursday night. They had nobody to force feed it to. And that's what I was worried about with him switching to Arizona. There's a lot of weapons on that team. Yeah, but and for you, him, for him to command the same amount of targets that he did in Houston, was that that's what was worrying me. Is his production is not going to match what they're paying him? But I mean, they force fed it to him today. What do you have? Like 10, 11 catches? So 14. 14. There you 14. go. 14. 14. Yes. So yes. I mean, he's going to earn it, apparently. So Kyle, Kyler Murray's going to force it to him. 
So let's go to the running backs that got extensions. Alvin Kamara agreed to a five-year extension this past week with the Saints. It's worth $75 million with $34 million of it guaranteed. So for the Saints, from the Saints' perspective, JT, do you love it, like it, or trash this extension? Ooh, this one's tough. I mean, even though he did ball out today, he had two touchdowns against the Bucks. But can we can we have an option between love it and trash it? Yeah, like, it's like it. Uh, I mean, but I feel like like is too strong because I I do like the deal, but this is I feel like right, this. How about this? How about we name it? Love it. No, no just it, for this one. Feeling this it. One. Trash it. Feeling it. Like kind not of even. feeling it. Not even. Here, here's my thing. For this year, I love it because you get Drew Brees, his main weapon, and you got a guy out there that could, like I said, I think he's going to be the offensive player of the year with Mahomes. So at least you got a weapon that's comparable to Christian McCaffrey. We did, we did a study of their stats over the past three seasons. They're damn near identical. And Kamara has less touches. But here's the thing. This contract, how I feel about it, changes once Drew Brees is in the quarterback because I've talked to you about this. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback next year, I don't think Kamara is as big as a weapon as he is with Drew Brees. Same thing with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston never really checked it down to the running backs or used him in the passing game in Tampa Bay like Drew Brees uses Kamara. So it would be a big leap of faith to say, all right, it's a one-year deal. One year of this deal I like because I know they're going to get the usage out of him that's similar to McCaffrey. But who's going to be the quarterback next year? Are they going to be able to do the same things that Brees does? That's the only thing I worry about. I think Kamara's success, a lot of it is tied to how Drew Brees uses him. Yeah, I, I'm going to trash it. Um, it's just, too much. You don't like to see running backs get paid. That's why. That's, that's not true. You, that's, what you wanted to see was either him get tagged or him get traded to a sorry team like the Bears and watch them waste all their money on him. Listen, it's too much for a guy that we are not sure of is a workhorse. A workhorse. That's what I have written down. That's the exact word. Can he get 30 touches a game for 16 games and keep up the productivity as well as the health? We don't know. And I'll tell you what, from what I saw today at times, his blocking better improve because I'll tell you what, he let Antoine Winfield Jr., JT, go right around him in week one here. So, I, and, and this is the other thing. They are going to be over the cap, JT, by $75 million next off. We said that last show, yep. So you could have you could have had him play out his deal this year, franchise tag, franchise tagged him next year while Breeze is on the last con last year of his contract next year, and then after that, decide if you want to keep Kamara long term. Are you are you gonna put some stock into I brought this up on the last show, and I feel like you and you and Ken kind of were like, oh, maybe. I said that a part of the reason why I think Kamara got this deal done is because the like the Saints were kind of in a rough spot. They need him this year for this this team. And I think he knew that either they're going to give me what I want or I'll hold out and they'll have to trade me. Like he knew they were going to have to pay him because if if he's not on this team this year, there's no way they make the playoffs. There's just no way. So I mean, what were the Saints supposed to do? Like this is one of the rare situations where the running back had the leverage. But did he? He had he some. Did. Of, he had he did. some of the because they. You said it yourself. They're all in. You but this you can't the, be all in. This guy not be on the team. But this is the thing. He had some of the leverage, but not all of it. And bro, he got paid. Believe, he basically got a McCaffrey contract. He had all the leverage. But 
okay, hold on. Just because he got paid McCaffrey money doesn't mean he had all the leverage. Part of it, like you just said, with uh, going back to the Arizona GM, hey, people make mistakes. The Saints have been making contract mistakes for years now, and it's catching up, and it's going to come to a head next offseason, all right? Because they're going to be way too over the cap, especially if Breeze wants to come back. So just because he got paid doesn't mean he had all the leverage. Sometimes people, and you seem to be jumping to that conclusion that, hey, we need – we're making a panic move. It sounds like you would have done the same thing, making a panic move. No need to make a panic move. If, if call I his bluff, call his bluff and see if he's willing to sit out a whole year like Le'Veon and look how it's affecting Le'Veon. You think guys want to start touching running backs who sit out a whole year? No. So call if, his bluff and his, see what at happens. His, at his call his bluff career? and see yeah, what because, happens. I mean, he's got a year off. But the thing is, if I'm the Saints GM, I look at it this way. I have to be honest with myself internally. What are we going to do with Drew Brees? Because that decides what I make, what moves I make as far as personnel. If I'm the GM, I'm like, next year I'm done with Drew Brees. That's it. Like, he is holding us back. Like, we have all these weapons. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take Jameis Winston on a, on a slow, on a low deal. I'm going to trust that my coach, Sean Payton, is the quarterback whisperer that just got Teddy Bridgewater, $60 million guaranteed in Carolina. And guess what? I'm going to open up – I'm going to have him open up this playbook with a guy like Jameis Winston next year, basically on a rookie deal. That's what I would look at in the situation if I were the person making the money decisions in New Orleans. But the thing is, I think whoever is making that decision in New Orleans, they haven't made that decision on Drew Brees yet, and that's why they're, they were kind of forced to make this panic move. All right. He still don't want to see running backs get paid, y'all, so he's really going to hate this next one. So last last deal we're going to talk about is Dalvin Cook. So he signed a five year extension with the Vikings worth sixty eight million, with twenty eight million dollars guaranteed. I know that stung you when you read it. So for the Vikings, do you love it, like it, or trash it? I know where he's going with this. So you think you know me, but you don't. Go ahead. You don't know. There's me. no tag it in here, so I know you can't say that. I like it. I don't love it, and I don't trash it. I like it, and this is why. It's not as much in guaranteed money as McCaffrey and Kamara. That was important. And Cook, in my opinion, is a workhorse for the average annual salary that's in that extension. All right. And it looks like they probably can cut him after two, maybe three years, maybe even after the two years of the contract. But you got to think about this. You make that argument for Kamara, which I don't completely agree with, but – my argument here is the Vikings are trying to win. And he is part of the big three. But there's a Cousins, difference between hold on, hold there's on. a big difference between trying to win and then trying to win a Super Bowl. Well, that's what I mean. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. And they've got cousins, they've got Thielen, and they need Cook. They need Cook. See, in my opinion, the Saints possibly, there's been other reasons why they've lost. And so with the Saints, could they – do they need Kamara? I don't know if they need Kamara. He is definitely a huge – needs Kamara. He's definitely a huge piece. For Breeze, yes. But can they win a Super Bowl without him? I think yes because they've needed to shore up other things. Now with the Vikings, 
can they win without Cook and put Madison in? I, I don't think so. They, I don't think they'll be as explosive, but I think they do need them both. I'm just saying they need – I think the they Vikings need, need – they need Cook more than the Saints need Kamara, and they can pay Cook less guaranteed and less of an annual average salary. So that's why I like it. I don't love it because I still think they should franchise tag them, but I'm not going to trash it either. All right. I agree with everything you said. I like it. Sort of, but um, I liked it more than the Kamara deal for what you said. It's less guaranteed money. That's always good for that position. And like you said, they can basically cut them after maybe like the second season or, or if it doesn't work out. And he he is very important to the team. They don't have him on that team. I think it looks completely different. And when he's healthy, he is a workhorse. I mean, he can stay on the field all three downs. He's a true three down back, but you know, is he going to hold up for all 16? So that's why I like the fact that they gave him under 30 million guaranteed. And then I, I was reading somewhere, I think Eric Kendricks restructured his deal to make it happen. So it just shows, you know, like the team wants him around. They think that, you know, he's an integral part of what they need to, you know, actually make a Super Bowl run. Um, I think this will end up being a, a, a good deal for both parties if he can stay like 85% healthy. All right. Well, JT, that is going to wrap up our show Thank for the opening God, weekend for the opening weekend of football through the Sunday afternoon four o'clock games. Um, funny we didn't really get into much of Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. A little bit of a letdown in that game. It wasn't as competitive in the second half as we thought it would. Well, I mean, um, let's let's just let's just be honest. We'll keep it quick. I don't even think you picked. Did you pick them to make the playoffs? I did not pick Tampa. No. All right, so that's why we're not talking about it. He already said the Bucs were going to suck. I was hesitant about Brady, but I picked the Bucs to go to the Super Bowl because I think the team is good. But, I mean, Tom Brady, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to not playing in the AFC East. This is different. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, of course, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, they'll definitely come up on other episodes as we get further into the season one way or another. Um, Especially if he played like he did today. But, but man, good to have football back. JT, always a pleasure doing the show with you. Uh, a great opening weekend. Um, we didn't even hit college football, so eventually we'll get into that as well. So to the listeners out there, thank you as always for listening to us. And please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever other platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember to please follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So once again, thank you for listening to this episode. And JT, until the next episode, See ya. Peace.